Welcome to the Channel 17 podcast, a weekly discussion of the Atlanta Braves, brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network online, theproductiveleisurenetwork.com, or on Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I am your host, Will Floyd, and joining me on the other line is my father, Tim Floyd. Good to be with you. Um, and you are driving right now, so if weird noises happen, that's our apology I'm very focused on my driving, but I can also talk about the Braves. Um, let's hope nothing bad happens then. Um, the big news for the Braves is that they traded Julius Chessine for the proverbial hard-throwing arm and rookie ball. Yeah, that, it's interesting. That's the biggest news of the week transaction-wise, which I don't really understand. I mean, it's not anything... <laughs> I, I can really care about much one way or the other. Um, I don't know that it means anything one way or the other either. I don't think that this trade means anything because I don't think that Julius Chassin has that much of a career left in him at the major league level. And it seems like all we really got back was a guy who's six eight and throws hard. And a lefty. Yeah, we got a guy who's not really a prospect at all, except, as you say, six eight and he throws hard, which is worth something on the other hand. He has absolutely zero track record. In professional baseball, so he doesn't have zero track record. He has very limited innings in rookie ball as a twenty-three-year-old. Right. It's even worse than no track record. You know, I don't think Chazin has finished as a major league pitcher. He he looked kind of okay for the Braves. One bad start, a couple of good ones, Um, but he just doesn't matter. He's not part of the Braves' future, and that's one thing I like about the trade. That they are, they are really are relentlessly focused on the future, and it clears, you know, very little money, but at least some. It gives them a, you know, a very long shot prospect. And I think what it means is probably clearing some rotation space for another young starter or two. Now, actually, you know, the starter that took his place on the day of the trade was one we've seen already a good bit, um, the, the William Perez brothers. Um, but anyway, Williams was fantastic, which he can be every now and then. But I, I was assuming that trade was mainly because we may be seeing from Terrell Jenkins in the major leagues before too long, or maybe even Lucas Sims in another month or two, or Sean Newcomb continues to pitch pretty well before the year's over. So I think the idea is... I think you need to hold your horses on Sean Newcomb. I don't know. Well, I'm not saying he's anywhere near ready, but I'm just thinking that before the end of the year, if he's I think they are very much focused on their young pitchers. And for that reason, they were willing to let Chassin go. Well, and I don't know if I've seen who came up in his place, but Jim Johnson got put on the DL recently or a few days ago. Yeah. They've been moving people around, so... I don't know if everything's done. I mean, the the transaction bar for the Braves this year has been insane. Yeah, oh, it's, it, yeah, and I haven't looked today, so who knows, but I think the specific roster move when they traded Chazine was to call up William Perez. It was. That's because they needed him to start, and he was the scheduled starter for Gwinnett that very night. And, and I believe so Ian Kroll, Ian Kroll came up earlier in the week to replace Johnson. Right. And right. so, these aren't the big-time, here are hot prospects, but it's also two 25-year-olds coming in. And pitching and doing well so far. 
Well, I haven't given up on Williams Perez as being at least a serviceable major league starter. And it may be they want to get him a good many starts over the next couple of months to see if he's got any trade value um, for somebody down the stretch. Or maybe he, he figures in the rotation plan. You know, he doesn't have the stuff you think of, certainly at the top of the line starter. But um, when he doesn't want people and he kind of pounds the zone, um, he's, he's not going to strike out a lot of people. But um, in that regard, he's not that much different than Aaron Blair or Matt Whistler at their best. Okay, first, um, Matt Whistler is a much better version of that kind of pitcher than either well, yes, Blair. Of course. I hope so, anyway. And part of why I'm saying that is that's a very fine line to walk. Perez is he's more valuable to you in the long run getting major league starts because either you find out beyond question he cannot pitch at the major league level or you might even be able to flip him you know that that may be the main reason for the Chassine trade just to put Perez back in the rotation and just see what kind of start he can give you over the next couple of months and either you keep him or you flip him well I think the Chassine deal is part of a hole that goes along with sending down Adonis Garcia and Jace Peterson. That is... And I also think Chassin went out because he's the only guy that the Braves are willing to move at this moment that someone would give anything for. Yeah. They didn't really get anything for him. I mean, I guess, yeah, they got a guy who, you know, 100 to 1 shot could turn out to be a major league pitcher. Um... That's better than what you, what you would have gotten for Hood Norris, for example. Obviously, he's got zero value whatsoever. Nobody would even give you that much of a prospect. The difference being both that Norris hasn't pitched well, but he's also got a guaranteed major league contract for, I forget how much, but a few million, as opposed to Chassim, who I think they signed to a minor league deal going in, which made, I, I was actually surprised they couldn't get a little bit more for Chassim because he's shown he might be able to get major league hitters out and he's practically free in terms of what you have to pay him. But I'm sure they shopped him around, and that was the best Well, thing but you're do. also running the risk of... You have a lot of guys at Gwinnett who are probably major league ready from a pitching right. standpoint. Oh, yeah. It was, cl- it was clearing the roster space, specifically the, the major league rotation slot. Um, they, they just didn't need him because I think they want to make room for some more guys. That's mainly what it was. I mean, and both I John Gant and Tyrell up. Jenkins need to be up in the majors soon, I think. Yeah. He, he is. He's probably done what he can do at AAA, and let's just see how that works at the major league level. Well, and I think with both those guys, their stuff is good enough yeah. that 
they can kind of overpower people, which we also saw from Fultonavich. I mean, um, this is a different kind of learning process. Is, he just does not seem to strike out that many people. He seems to have a pretty live fastball. I, I'm not sure what, what it is, why he doesn't miss enough bat. His strikeout rates have been, you know, pretty low throughout his minor league career. Well, his strikeout rates have been sure. above average when you hear him described and hear what he throws on the radar gun. It seems like he should have more strikeouts. Right. And I'm not sure why he doesn't. I don't know if it's just what the deal is. As long as he doesn't walk people, and he's done a lot better that in that regard in AAA, I think, uh, this year. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, good numbers. Everybody says his peripherals aren't that good, but he's not walking people like he did before. And although he doesn't strike out that many, he's hitting people out. I still think Gant might be the better long-term prospect, though. Yeah, maybe. Gant, I mean, is, is similar. I mean, you've got Gant and you've got Jenkins and you've got Whistler and Blair and Williams Perez, none of whom look like they're going to be a strikeout and inning kind of guy in the major league. So, I, I, as I keep saying, I like that kind of pitcher, but it's also pretty risky. So, they got to figure out which combination of any of those guys are figure in their rotation in the future and it's kind of hard to know unless you give them a chance right yeah and also what you've got to do is just say what is our best thing for 2017 and 2018 oh well yeah that's that's the guiding principle and so it really doesn't matter much what happens this year they never admit it and they'd rather not be as absolutely horrible as they are right now but I hope their decisions continue to be based on what's best for 17 and 18 and not this year. I mean, the one, this is going to sound strange. The one advantage the Braves have right now is that they're so bad and they've been so bad that even if they play 500 ball from here on out, they've still got a terrible record. True. And they're not going to play 500 ball either. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's That's my upper limit of weird things happen. Yeah, I agree. I, and I'm still willing to go out on a limb and say their winning percentage at the end of the year will be better than it is right now. But I don't know how much better. Just because if it stays where it is right now, they set an all-time record, at least in the modern right. era, right? Yeah, Minnesota is worse than us right now, though. I know. That's, that's the one that's really hard to believe. <laughs> Just saying. Most um, people thought they were going to be competitive. And actually, one thing Somebody I thought about doing... Hard. This week was to present fake trades for minor leaguers you had never heard of and see what your thoughts were. But actually, the Chasin trade made me stop on this because it made me wonder about what Coppolella really wants to do. And I think clearly... But I think he's still clearly in sort of trim the fat, get it where you need to be levels with this roster and not Let's go and target somebody. Oh, yeah. But the Chassin trade, it saves so little. I mean, I guess they're pinching every penny, but he wasn't even making a million dollars a year. And so, you know, the prorated portion the rest of the year. Right. I meant trim the fat as in Julius Chassin is taking a roster roster spot that someone else could have. Yeah, that makes more sense. Right. Um, Which means if Reed Brignac turns out to have a hot streak, he might be gone instantly. Gordon yeah. Beckham is probably not sticking around that much longer. Well, I hope Gordon Beckham continues to hit well. He's actually 
I think probably has the second highest OPS on the team, maybe after Freddie Freeman. Or yes, it'd be close. Um, and if, if he keeps doing that, low ball, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He's also a 29 year old who is an infielder, and in the fact that he can and he's stand never there really and not shown he can hit major league pitching consistently is a fluke. <laughs> if he's got enough value that somebody's willing to pay for him, great. Now, I think we did get him because he's a Georgia native and he came home and that kind of thing, so. Right. There might be yeah, well, a special like handshake he gets to the side. Well. Yeah. But also, at some point, they're infielders we'd like to have in the majors. Well, right. Talking about clearing up room in the lineup and on the roster, um, I, I think maybe it's not quite as urgent. You know, it may be a week or two ago we were talking about they may want to call up either obvious or Swanson sooner rather than later, but they've both cooled off. Rio Ariza have cooled off a lot, which is probably good. You know, this, this yeah. is bound to happen anyway. You know, let them stay in the minor leagues most of this year. I mean, even if we see them, it'd be better later in the year rather than earlier. And I mean, I'd still love to see them this year, but it doesn't have to be in June. It can be in August or whatever. Rio Ruiz has cooled off to a 274, 353, 395 triple slash. If you are getting that right. from your major league third baseman who was like decent over there, you'd actually be really happy. Oh, sure. If you can translate those triple A numbers into a major league equivalent, which, you know, you really shouldn't. But I'm saying he's 22 uh, and doing that at triple A. The thought that in two or three years. We need to keep remembering that. I think, except for his teammate at shortstop be just about the youngest person in the league so that's good uh dodgers prospect julio urias is only like a few days older than ozzy albius and he's right. destroying the pacific the coast league as a pitcher as right. um which is also the one reason so why the dodgers are not someone now. we could trade pitching to on the other hand i think the braves would love to have Swanson obvious in their starting lineup next April if they go into the new park. I think that I still, if I'm guess correctly, that's that's the plan going forward. Because Lord knows they don't have anybody that plays middle infield right now. You really want starting next year if you're supposed to start to be competitive. Um, same thing is true at third base, of course. Um, they, I mean, any of the possibilities they have on this current major league roster, you really don't want to see next year. Right. Also, uh, if they don't have those guys up, then the advertising around the stadium will look like it's from the Chairman Mao School of Design featuring Freddie Freeman. <laughs> right. Um, He'll be the only guy on any poster. He'll be everywhere because that's they all they will have. Swanson, he will be on all the posters. He's, you know, the, the kid from Cobb County and the, um, the white guy and good-looking and all that stuff. Kind of the same reason they had Jeff Franker on everything over. Also, that is a great name. Dansby Swanson. Yeah. Yes. Like you can just put Dansby, and everyone knows who you're talking about. That's true. And you know, from a marketing standpoint, the hope that he turns out to be good is huge. But also, more importantly, if we can get a solid middle infield for the next decade. There's an awful lot riding on him and on Ozzy because they really don't have the bulk of position prospects that they do as far as pitching prospects. And we've talked about this before, but they, they, they can trade some pitchers, some prospects uh, for hitters because they've got so many of them and they're probably going to need to. 
if it turns out that both Swanson and August, for whatever reason, are bust, man, they're really hurting in terms of position players. I mean, I got a lot of confidence in both of them for, for different reasons, so I feel pretty good about it. But they still don't have much else that, that you feel really good about in terms of position players, right? Not, not ones that are a year or two away, anyway. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Peterson got a double, a triple, and a homer last night, and his line's starting to look better. That's true. He only had a single in his last at-bat to hit, hit for the cycle, which he couldn't do. But that guy's putting together a solid year. It's starting to think maybe he's, he might be that right-handed corner outfield. He's also only 21. Is he that young? Oh, yeah. That's good to know. And doing that at double A. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I do think that, you know, this is part of what I was saying earlier, that you don't have to figure out the everyday lineup quite the same as you do the rotation and the bullpen because there are fewer guys knocking on the door. But also, if Peterson starts on a streak and looks like the real deal, well, now you're not going to say I've got a target for a power-hitting outfielder. I've got my outfield in the future. I'd still love it if in the offseason they somebody like, you know, Cespedes or something, but short of that, Ooh, Okay. Know. That's not happening, but okay. Well, no, but I just threw out that name. I'd still feel better if there was somebody who was proven major league hitter. Yeah. You, you just... But you feel less like you absolutely need to get somebody. You can pick the guy you really want at the price you want if you feel well, like you yeah, might have yeah. some reinforcements coming up. And, of course, the rumors are all that they're looking at a college bat with the third overall pick. Yeah. For precisely this reason. And also, that's kind of who's at the top. So, I think that the rotation is starting to look like the rotation of the future pretty soon. And that's why the Chassin trade happened. No doubt. Um, It still remains to be seen you know, which of the nine or ten guys become their four or five starters over the next year or two, but that's, again, that's kind of a fun problem to have. Yeah. But you need to see enough of some of them to figure out just exactly which one your guys are, because you are going to need to trade a couple of them probably, but it's so hard to know that until, you know, they've demonstrated something. And, you know, the irony of that is they got to pitch pretty well to have good trade value, but the better they pitch, the more reluctant you are to trade them, so... Yeah. But that's what they pay the big bucks to the GM for to make those judgment calls. So far, the jury's still very much out on on all of their judgment calls, but we'll see. Although, so far, that Shelby Miller trade is looking great. That trade? I mean, who, whoever would have predicted um, that Miller would be as bad as he is this year, even at the time of the trade, if Miller had been you know, top of the rotation ace material, you had to love the trade uh, for the Braves. I mean, um, I'm still not sure what Arizona was thinking on that one, but given his struggles, it just looks even better. And actually, I think that there's one small connection between the Chassin trade and the Shelby Miller trade, which is this. I think that John Coppola has a price for anybody on the roster. And yeah. Freddy's is probably one that no one will match. Yeah. yeah. But, like, if the Angels offered Mike Trout straight up, you'd take it. Well, yeah. That's my point. 
In fact, Will, I would trade our 25-man roster for Mike Trout right now. Hey, I went to see the Angels. You don't want Mike Trout in nothing. <laughs> you really don't. Um, it's kind of sad. Yeah, I guess so. Um, more from an aesthetic, I feel bad for Mike Trout level. But what's really interesting about it, I don't remember anything of being like, oh, this is definitely happening. Shelby Miller is going to head to the desert. This is the thing. It just sort of emerged. And it was very slow to report, even after it said, there's a trade between the Braves and the Diamondbacks. Shelby Miller's going out. The first name was Inciarte, which we thought, okay, that has an interesting thing. Then we heard Swanson. And I would bet you anything, doing his due diligence, Coppola had Dave Stewart on the phone, and he said, you know, what are you going to give me back for Shelby Miller? And he might have said, uh, Dansby Swanson, or Ender, and he asked for the other as well, and he got it and immediately went for it. Yeah. And I think that the Chassin trade was also a, wait, you're going to give me that? Sure, I'll do that. That's the kind of thing well, I'm I guess, with. But I just, Man, I just don't see the comparison because what we got back for Chassin right now is nothing. It's, it's not like the number one pick overall in the yeah. draft. No, it's, it's like not. not this is my point. We got something back, very little, but we got something back, yeah. and I think that was Copy's Press. I guess. You will give me something that could turn out to be better down the line and open up a roster spot for me? On the 40-man as well as the 25-man? But yes, trading away Shelby Miller and then him having a 7-3-6 ERA. That's even better than we would have thought. That's right. You know, for that matter, the Simmons trade, not only was he uh, hitting pretty horribly, uh, now he's out for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you got to look long-term. I still miss the guy. Oh, man, do I miss him. Um, every time I see Eric Ibar at that shortstop, I miss Hamilton even more. I'm hoping but, by the end of the um, year, Ozzy will make you not care. That's the whole idea. That's what I'm counting on. Uh, the next Curtis Allen shortstop. Uh, until, but unless and until he's up doing it, I'm still going to miss Hamilton. And yes. To be sure, he is never going to be Hamilton Simmons in the field because I don't think anybody in my lifetime ever will be. That guy is the best ever as far as I can tell. But if he can be an above-average Major League shortstop while hitting, like, a really excellent leadoff hitter? Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah, that's a better overall that, package that than Anderson right. ever will be. That's absolutely true. And I, I, why I, as yeah. much as I miss Simmons, I don't mind the trade because they've got two guys that might be excellent Major League shortstops. So, yeah, given that, I'm fine with it. I also had soured on Anderson's defense. Versus his well, offense trade off. Well, no. I was going to say there. his defense outweighing his offense because his offense had gotten really bad. Yeah. Or at the very least, not improved at all. I mean, he yeah, really had never made. done anything. And we ended up with Newcomb and Ellis, and my God, Chris Ellis. Yeah, that guy is better than Sean Newcomb. So far, he certainly has been. Um, I mean, the, you start listing the, the pitchers they've got that make you excited. I mean, you get down to about, I don't know, 14 or 15 of them. Um, that's 
that's what I've said before. That's what I'm enjoying about this rebuild. Um, and as we said before, I, we, we well know there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Um, but when you got 15 of them, odds are pretty good. You're going to get at least something out of it. Yeah, and now, one of the problems I wanted your I wanted your thought on this. Okay, Will. I've been saying over and over that I I really like these guys that pitch the contact and know the strike mm-hmm. zone and know what they're doing. On the other hand, um, they don't really have people that match up with what the Mets have. I mean, the the stuff that um, Syndergaard and Degrom and even Mats and of course Matt Harvey. Um, I don't think the Braves have anybody that compares to them in terms of stuff. And, and so I, even if the Braves have a lot of good pitchers, is it not good enough because they'll never match that best rotation? What's your thought on that? I think that they will match the Mets rotation if they can pitch well enough to shut people down. And you don't have to be a strikeout pitcher. Now, I think this is Bill James's point in the new historical baseball abstract where he says... Being able to throw 95 is a lot like being a seven-footer and being able to play basketball. It's no guarantee, yep. but it's a better thing to start from. Exactly. And um, so, I mean, there are enough guys pitching well throughout the system, and you know what? Lucas Sims and Sean Newcomb sure can throw hard. Well, and, you know, I, I was just about to mention those two guys. They do have the kind of stuff that I would match up with those Mets guys. Phelps especially, his strikeout rates have been pretty phenomenal this year, right? Um, and, and also in the Arizona Fall League. So mm-hmm. you, you can get pretty excited at him as that you know, prototypical top-of-the-rotation strikeout guy. Still young, still a lot to prove, but he's, he's looking good. Also, looking and at the Mets, new- yeah. I, um, the Mets have always made me uh, feel sick to my stomach when I consider them too hard. And, uh, first of all, those guys are older than I thought. Matt Harvey's already 27. Yeah. It feels like so he's about DeGrom to break is. out. DeGrom is yeah. 28. Yeah. Um, now, young. Syndergaard is 23 and, yeah. uh, in 46 innings pitched has 55 strikeouts and nine walks, which is absurd. Yeah. That guy's good. That guy's really good. And he hit a very impressive homer against the Dodgers Wednesday night. Oh, did um, he? Yeah. Yeah, well, he actually hit two. He hit two homers. homers. Don't forget their other pitcher is a little bit older than the rest of them. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's uh, another story. But. but the other thing I was going to say is Bartolo Colon is also on this staff and was revitalized by right. just never throwing a ball outside the strike zone or above yeah. mid-thigh. So there are different well, ways to pitch well. And I think exactly. that's... But here's the other thing. I'm not totally familiar with their farm system, but I believe if any of these guys go down, the Mets are in trouble. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And that becomes uh, part of the point of having, you know, two dozen pitching prospects that could work out. Exactly. Because you really can't count on it. I think maybe in one of our earlier chats, we talked about the Mets of the 90s who had the three can't miss prospects who were every bit as good as the Braves. Generation K. They were known as Generation K. I still didn't follow you. What? They were known as Generation K. Oh, Generation K. Yeah. 
and you know, I think we mentioned it before, they all got hurt. None of them turned about out to be quality major league starters. And that's that's the problem. Um they also had Dallas Green throwing them out there for 120 pitches every four days. I mean, that's the kind of thing. Uh, so, hey, Will, this is pretty good. I don't know how long we've been talking in this one. So far, we've said absolutely nothing about the major league team and what they've done in the last week. <laughs> they won, though. They won two nights ago. That's true. Uh, actually won a game at Turner Field of all places. Yes. But this, it doesn't matter. I know, I know. I mean, I'd kind of like to not root for the I team that has the worst that, win percentage ever. It's so hard to be a fan. I mean, I still, I still want to watch them, and then I turn it on, and it's just so bad, it's frustrating. I mean, it's a hell of a lot more fun to watch a winning major league team than it is to read minor league box scores. I'm getting my pleasure where I can find it, so I'm focused on the minor league box scores. But I'm I'm still frustrated with with how hard it is to watch this team. And it's hard for a couple of different reasons. One is the defense is so bad, and that's so frustrating. And the other is um, the offense is so bad. (laughs) I mean, they just don't have anybody. I mean, they fall behind by, by a few runs and just feel like it's hopeless. And then, of course, last night they were down four to nothing, and they scored four runs in the seventh. You, you never know, right? Yeah, and then Jason Gurley right. blew it. Um, right. I mean, part of it is actually, you know what? Jason Gurley did. Well, since we're talking about last night's game, I was watching in the tenth inning. Uh, he gave up a leadoff triple in the tenth, which, of course, is a disaster in a tie game, which the tenth would be, of course. Yes. Um, but I, it was Marcakis. Um, of course, Hayward would have had that ball, but I think a good right fielder would have had that ball. Which, by the way, I don't know why he doesn't have Enciarte in right and Marquez um, in left. But um, I mean, I, anyway, um, that ball was catchable. It was it was on the track and it, you know bounced off the fence. Um, but Marquez is not a good defensive outfielder anymore. I mean, maybe it wasn't an easy catch, but it, he kept going back to okay, he's got it, and he just didn't get it. Um, I mean, really gave it up. Um, but you're just asking this team to do a lot. I mean, they, they tie the game in the seventh, but they don't seem to have much chance to ever score again. That was so fluky. Offensively, this team is just, I mean, they are historically bad. I mean, it, they're, they're on track to set all kinds of records, I think, in terms of really poor offensive performance. And I don't see much hope either. That's and due to the change in the way baseball is played and scoring and all that, the uh, record for errors is certainly not in range, and I'd have to probably do a lot right. of looking up. But they've committed a lot of errors and, like, booting the ball errors, not, you know, sort of you like, well, that could have gone either way. Me, there's been a lot of ground balls in the vicinity of shortstop that are not errors. That Ivar's just not even getting to. I mean, I, I don't—I never saw the guy play much because I don't watch him much American League ball. But he always had a reputation as an okay defensive shortstop. He looks like he's stuck in concrete this year. He seems to have no range at all. I mean, maybe my eyes have been accustomed to watching Southern play there, so a lot of ground balls that just go under his glove. When you think, of course, he's. Well, 
were going to die him anyway. And he's also bobbled a huge yeah. number of balls that were right at him. So he's he's generally a bad shortstop now. Right. That's the point. Um, I think he's playing in there. Even when he puts Castro in the lineup, he tends to play him at second or at third. Um, I think I he keeps he's playing, playing them under the hope he has a good week or two and they can do something with it. And uh, until yeah, Ozzy right. Albius is ready, yeah, why so, not? You might as well see if he can generate any value from him. And you can't do that without playing him. I understand. It's just hard to watch. That's all you might be marginally better because Daniel Castro can handle shortstop. But there's no evidence Daniel Castro is going to be a good major league hitter, so it's not, not like gonna no. he's going to be he a huge improvement. Ibar hitting well over the next month than Castro, even though Ibar has been horrible offensively. I mean, he might, mm. you know, get sort of hot, not be abysmal offensively for a few weeks. That, that could certainly happen. That's what they're hoping, I guess. I mean, possibly. But defensively, it's just a train wreck. Um, at least they don't have a Donis Garcia out there Be better than really Gordon not. Beckham. Well, maybe so. I don't, um, Beckham apparently is their starting third baseman now, so that's their infield. Yeah. But who cares? Well, I mean, I really. The good news, I guess, since we last talked, is we have Hitler and Fiarte back, and the best news of all, and that is they did not send Malik Smith down at the time. So yeah, and the best moment is when he totally faked out Carlos Ruiz on a really silly play. That was fun. I actually did not see that one live, but I've seen the replay. you got to like that. That's the kind of thing, even in a bad season, makes kind of fun to watch. And he, he is just a heady ball player. Um, and defensive, I don't know how bad the defense is, but I've been quite impressed with Smith and center field. Mm-hmm. Um, speed will take you a long way, and they really is an excellent defensive outfielder. So that's two-thirds of the way to a good defensive outfield, so that's worth a lot. And also, uh, he's another actual major league caliber player in the prime of his career. Which actually only gives us two, because I'd still say Malik Smith is before his prime. Yeah, Smith hasn't proven himself yet to be a a real major league player. i got a lot of high hopes. I like what I'm seeing. But other than Freeman and Ciarte, Marquecas is what he is. He's, he's just not going to have any power. He's going to get on base at a pretty good clip. He does not play a very good defense. He's uh, he's above replacement level, but not a lot. I'm not sure you'll be able to even above replacement, are they, at this point? Uh, no. Uh, that's what I thought. Uh, pretty frustrating. And as you pointed out before, replacement level is not average. <laughs> replacement level is... You know, about as bad as you can be and be a major league player, yeah. right? Well, and it's also... Five-eighths of our starting lineup is below that level. Well, but I was going to say, depending on who calculates it, it's somewhere between 350 and 400 winning percentage. So, yeah, we're not there. Right. Um, so, uh, with our usual, uh, towards the end of the podcast, 
history lesson. You might hate me for this one, but I wanted to go over some actually bad trades. I don't think the Jasim trade was bad, but I, I want to remind other Braves fans that there has been worse. There have been some bad ones. Yes. So I, I'm going to give time. you the date of the transaction. You're going to name me the trade. Work? Okay. August 28th, 1983 when that trade was made? What was it? 5'11". Um, and a according to a few things, he was... Yeah, he also, in like a real season, his best ERA was a 3'9". There was no evidence this guy was... He was not a top-of-the-rotation starter, was he? That was just a gross miscalculation. And here's what okay, makes it even what worse. Makes it make it worse. What makes it worse? They officially traded Lynn Barker for players to be named later in $150,000. They only announced Brett Butler and Brooke Jacoby were going in October of 1983. Oh, I'd forgotten that part of it, yeah. The Braves also sent Rick Behenna, but I don't think that made a difference. I don't know whatever happened to him. He was a pitcher, right? Yeah, um, I mean, he wasn't good. What we do know is Brett Butler turned out to be you know, an all-star. And I think other than the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, who was contemporary Ricky Henderson and Tim Raines, who was almost as good, he was as good an outfielder and leadoff man as there was in baseball before Kenny Austin came along. I mean, he was a star. Yeah. If, if Malik Smith turned into Brett Butler, I'd be thrilled. He had that kind of career. Brooke and, Jacoby. Yeah, Brooke Jacoby was like a good major leaguer. Excellent. He was a good hitter for a third baseman. If Rio Reese turned out to have the career Brooke Jacoby did, I'd be very happy right now. And so let's just hope like we don't Brady. trade Malik Smith and Rio Ruiz for uh, nobody. Of course, for a guy who has an ERA of over five. <laughs> and, and, you know, the third, I mean, you said two things that, that the Braves should have known at the time. What made it even worse in retrospect is Barker was hurt. He was never even, even an effective major league pitcher at all the rest of his career. He provided zero value to the Braves or anybody else, I guess, forever after, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that trade was abysmal. And here, you know, the Braves in 82, the future was bright. Not only did they win the division with a core that was pretty young, you know, Murphy and Horner still in their mid to late 20s. Um, Lynn Hubbard at second. We talked about him. He was still in his 20s. Um, you know, they... They had Cordell Washington, even though he's been around a long time, wasn't that old. Um, they had a core in the major league that looked like it could be around for a while and be pretty good. But what was really exciting was their AAA was excellent. They had the phenom Brad Thomas, who just put up tremendous numbers at AAA. And who we went um, over how had, he sucked last week. 
right. And they had Gerald Perry, who they thought could really turn out to be a quality major league first baseman. He replaced the aging Chris Shambliss. And then they also had Butler and Jacoby in the system. They had all these prospects coming along. They thought they had plenty of prospects. We could trade two of our good ones because we got plenty more. And, of course, what we know now is Brad Thomas didn't work out at all. Gerald Perry really wasn't that good. Uh, Dale Murphy fell off a cliff not too long after that. Didn't have a long career. Bob Horner stayed injured almost the rest of his career. Um, you know, bad things can happen. But uh, if they had held on to Butler and Jacoby, I mean, that would have been better. It would have been worlds better. They would have been competitive, probably. Um, Bob Horner gets hurt. That's okay. You got Brooke Jacoby. Um, you know, I would have loved to have had Brett Butler leading off for the Braves instead of, God knows, you know, Omar Moreno, right. who they ended up with in the 80s, or whoever else they had doing it. Oh, yeah, it was it was horrible. And it's a, it's a great lesson in hanging on to your prospects, in part because you know they're not all going to work out. I mean, that's kind of the irony of it, right? Yeah. Um, you think prospects may not work out, let's get rid of them, get a proven major leaguer. But um, first of all, if you're going to get a proven major leaguer, you want to make sure he really is proven. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a bad trade in every way you could make a bad trade. And uh, I got another one for you. June 13th, 1976. June of 76. Ooh. I, I don't know that one. Um, Just that go one over bad Braves trades. What? Was that the Daryl Levin? Yep. It was? Yeah. June. Um, and if I remember right, they did it traded him for um, Willie Montanez. Is that right? Yeah, it was actually Daryl Evans and Marty Perez for Jake Brown, Mike Eaton, Willie Montanez, and Craig Robinson. Yeah. Um, none of those guys were quality major league players, really, except for Daryl Evans and Willie Montanez. They were the centerpieces. And, you know, Daryl Evans did not get enough respect. Boy, he, he's a great story for the pre-Bill James era of baseball. I mean, Evans was like the prototypical guy that was underrated before Bill James. In fact, Bill James wrote an essay in, in the second reference of the podcast, The New Historical Baseball Abstract, that Darrell Evans is probably the most underrated player ever. Right, because he hit the low batting average, which Mm -hmm. most people thought was the most important stat. He struck out a fair amount, but what he did was he walked and he hit with power. So his on-base percentage was really pretty good, mm-hmm. even though he had a low average. And his slugging was really quite good. His OPS, which nobody counted back then, and I don't have any of it in front of me, would have been quite good. Probably a hell of a lot better than Willie Montez. Yeah, uh, that's actually what I have in front of me. Uh, in 1975, the season before that trade, Montanez, a lefty-hitting first baseman, Hit 305 in San Francisco with, guess how many homers? He wasn't a power hitter. I don't know how many. We actually split the 1975 season between Philadelphia and San Francisco. So he managed 10 homers. He did hit 34 doubles, uh, two triples, and he walked 49 times. So his triple slash was a respectable enough 302, 353, 415. That is as yeah. good as he ever was. He kind of kept doing that, basically. 
10 homers and 34 doubles was enough to get a slugging in the 400s. Um, but he's a lefty-lefty yeah. first baseman. Your right. options there are... Well, he was actually listed on baseball reference as a center fielder first baseman. Making oh, him and Nick that. Swisher the only two. The yeah. Um, and, and, and that, I love focusing on that trade because it just shows about the evaluation. Now, there were other guys involved. What the Braves got back, Craig Robinson, did you say? They traded away Marty Perez. Mm-hmm. They were the same player. You know, defensive shortstops who couldn't hit. Craig Robinson was maybe the worst offensive player the Braves ever had. Um, oh, now that's that's a that's a really big that, statement. That's a, that's a bold statement. But, but I think he, he was he was terrible offensively. But the centerpiece of the trade, Darrell Evans, of course, what they didn't know either was he was good for another decade after that. I mean, he was still excellent, you know, with the Tigers when they won in the mid-'80s. Um, and, and it's Darrell Evans, I suppose, is not all of fame caliber or you could make an argument but man what a star you'd yeah. love to have that guy for a career um, whereas a guy like Montez is a dime a dozen a guy who can slash and hit 300 occasionally but doesn't walk enough and doesn't get the ball out of the park and don't forget Darrell Evans was playing a much more difficult defensive position he did it pretty well I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, what the numbers show on it but he was I mean he, he happened to be a contemporary of Brooks Robinson and Greg Nettles and Aurelio Rodriguez so the perspective right. on third base defense was a little different. Right. But he was pretty good. Um, I think I remember that when he came up, he wasn't. And he was a really hard worker, and you know, he took a lot of ground balls there, and they used to comment about he's a lot better than he was. Um, but yeah, he, that, that was a tough one. That bad, bad decision. Uh and part of why I wanted to bring those up was not just because I wanted to hear your reaction one more time in my life to those trades, but also the bar for bad trades is actually really high for this organization. And it's important to remember that you can get caught up in, but Julius Chassin is a real major league player. And we got a guy who was drafted out of Azusa Pacific and wasn't too good there. It's a Division yep. II school. Uh, on the other hand, we did get something for him and hopefully opened a spot so that, you know, the Braves probably weren't prevented from winning a World Series by trading away Daryl Evans. Yep, now, the right. symptom of <laughs> trading Daryl Evans spoke to a larger problem that definitely prevented them from doing better. Fair. The Braves have made a ton of trades, obviously, over the last 18 months or whatever it is. Um, the good news on, on almost all of those trades is they haven't traded away anybody with a future for somebody you're counting on now. I mean, it's, they're all rebuilding kind of trades with you know the possible exception of Oliveira, which we've talked about. I'm still not sure what that was about. Although even so, what they gave up really wasn't so bad. And if, you know, Zach Burke turns out to be a major league pitcher, it may yet be all right for the Braves. Um, but otherwise, at least you see what they're doing. You can, we, we won't know for a while whether it really works out, but they're trading people 
for a prospect, um, that's, that's the right move to yeah. make. Um, when they've done it the opposite way, like the infamous Barker trade, man, that can really bite you on the butt. And Alex Wood has been terrible this year. That's true. Um, not that, Shelby Miller terrible, but not good. I think the Braves just did not think he had a future as a, as a really solid major league starter for whatever reason. He had lost several miles an hour off his fastball. Um, everybody's always worried about that funky delivery. For whatever reason, they just didn't have a lot of confidence he was going to be you know, a really quality major league starter for any length of time. Given the fact that they're bringing a whole bunch more in, I, I don't even blame them for that. It's also the joke was, oh, he got another pitcher back. But it appears that people are willing to get rid of pitchers at the low yeah. levels and then really want them once they hit the majors. If the evidence of Braves yeah. trades can be brought out larger. He brought up a couple of bad trades, and Lord knows there are, who knows how many more bad trades that Braves have made over the years. Um, let me mention one that really worked out. Um, you remember they got John Smoltz by the kind of deal that the Braves are making now, trading a guy who has some value to a major league club, a contender, Doyle Alexander, um, who couldn't trade. He won a pennant for the Tigers down the stretch. They got this Went 9-0 and with them. That's right. And they got a guy who had not pitched above a ball, um, who actually wasn't even a high draft pick, uh, but seemed to have good stuff, willing to take a chance on him. Right now, John Smoltz was up in the majors at the age of 21. McCreary is 23. Then again, yeah. Julius Chassin, not Doyle Alexander. Yeah, right, that's true. Um, I mean, no, never has been, never will be. No. Uh, first of all, doesn't have the mustache chops. Second of all, not the same kind of yeah. pitcher. And I think. As frustrating as it can be that the Braves are only in the news for making trades, and particularly when it's a trade that just seems bizarre, they're doing something, and the roster will change. You're going to start seeing... I mean, I think that this is probably the bottom. Like, this opening of the season is the bottom. Partly because 8-25 and is really hard to be worse than. Well, I, I went out on a limb earlier in this conversation that the winning percentage at the end of the year will be higher than it is now. Um, and I feel pretty confident about that. On the other hand, they're going to be bad all year. Um, what I hope for is we see a couple of more young pitchers called up as the season goes on. Um, before the season's over, we see a couple of more of the position prospects. That's worth looking at. That would be exciting. Uh, even if they don't do well, you know, we have to be patient. Um, let them take their lumps this year so we can feel better about next April. That, that's, also, that's if, a, if a young guy throws a quality start and there's no offensive run support and the bullpen gives up a bunch of runs, view it as a positive overall. Yeah. The front office probably is. Right. Although they'd like Jason Grilly to do better because, one, it's frustrating, and two... Flipping him for something would be a nice touch. He may pitch well enough over the next month to have some value. I don't think he's completely done, but um, he may be. 
Well, I mean, he's not going to be great. He's 39 and was never, you know, Goose Gossage to begin with. So there, there's no reason to expect him to turn out to be a great pitcher again. But if he can be major league average or slightly below, someone might want to give up a prospect. That's all we're asking for. That's all we're asking for on many of these people. <laughs> Don't be terrible. But I mean, Malik's has been hitting better. Freddie Freeman looks like Freddie Freeman again. Freddie Freeman is fine. That's that's the best news actually about the last couple of weeks. I'm pretty excited about Malik. That guy looks like he can be a major league player. Um, he doesn't look overmatched out there. Good to have him Arte back. So there are a few bright spots. Matt Whistler had a great start, um, and that's not so great. Aaron Blair had a couple of really good starts, and they're not so good. We just got to be patient with guys like that. That's the way it's going to be. And actually, Bolte had a great start. Um, maybe that was since we last talked. So um, you get your hope where you can find it. But when your young guys pitch really well, like each of them has at least once on the season, um, that's pretty good. And I guess we'll leave it there on a hopeful note, because if we talk about anything else, we won't. Um, we are going to a consistent posting schedule of Saturday morning specific time, basically midday, probably. Uh, but I don't know if you have any expectations for this week, other than I guess you kind of said it, looking for the young guys to pitch well. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Wins and losses, I have no expectations whatsoever. Oh, I have expectations. They're going to be terrible, but they can pitch well while getting losses. Oh, well, right. Uh, yeah, that's a and so uh, we'll leave it there. Watch the young pitching. You can always check us out. Again, we're going to start doing this regularly as a Saturday post, uh, but we are to be found at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on Twitter at ProdLeisure. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.